Amen. Yeah. Hallelujah. I am so grateful to be with you. God bless you for being here online and in person. It's great to be in God's house, loving what God's doing and excited about it. The enemy is a liar. He's a deceiver. He's a scumbag. And his lies are done, and we need to see the truth of what God has for us, right? God's good, man. I tell you what, this uh, amazing God that we serve is still trying to reach this nation and calling us to come to him, you know? And uh, some of you that are football fans, you know that on Monday night, one of the Buffalo Bills uh, players was collapsed on the field, and all that took place is his heart stopped beating, and he's still in ICU, I understand. But, you know, something happened right there. And what happened was, on a liberal thing like ESPN, which, uh, you know, this whole world and our nation, you know, there's a bunch of garbage going on out there, and those guys are pushing that, the devil's agenda all the time. And in the midst of this, there was God. In the midst of that heartbroken, crazy moment, what did they do? Prayed to God. That's what happens, man. You see, once we see we're not invincible, once we realize how frail life is, once we're in that place where there's nothing we can do, there's only one thing to do. Let's call out to him. And right there on national television going around the world, they switch the camera to someone that calls in the name of God to do something. You know, I am just blown away and so grateful for the mercy of God And the fact that he is in the midst of all that our nation has already done, telling him to leave, we'll do our own thing, we know what we want, we don't need you, we don't want you. He allows us to see the opportunity right there on the whole field of everything, saying like, yeah, this is just a game and it means nothing. Right now, life matters. And there he was. And there he is. And through this whole thing, continue to see things coming out of that fact that They prayed on TV. People are all freaking out. Well, good. I hope they freak out like crazy about it. And I hope they keep playing it. And I don't care if they complain or whatever they do. Just keep pushing it forward saying, there it is. Because that's our God. And we need him to move in our nation. And so in the midst of tragedy, God moves. I have told the... Look, in my life, I am so blessed to be a pastor in so many ways. But to see life and the frailty of life and to be in those moments with people uh, is truly transformed me. And I see things differently and I'm reminded constantly about this truth and where we in our flesh look at things and say why or wonder and things. I see God's mercy involved in tragedy. I do. Not that he creates tragedy. Don't misunderstand me. But God moves through tragedy. He's there in the midst of all the crisis of life, and he's trying to bring us to himself and to do something in our lives to change us. And so I see in the midst of this, that young man, I don't know him. I know nothing about his life. I'm not a huge pro football fan. I used to be. I'm not anymore. I just don't. Um, But, you know, I don't know him, but I know uh, there is a statement out there that he's a believer. God knows the truth of that situation, whatever it is. So And again, I'm not making light of that. I'm just simply saying God knows and he knows him. And so if that guy doesn't come out of this, which he's showing good signs, I know. But if he's a believer, it's all good. And God's still working through it, right? And so I'm looking at him like, man, God, just continue to move in our nation. We're asking for a revival. God, we're asking for a move of God. Our nation desperately needs God. 
And we're never going to get direction or hope without him. And so whatever it takes, that's our prayer. Whatever it takes, God do it. Whatever it is. And so I trust him and I'm excited about what he's doing. I can't stand the devil. He's a manipulator. I allowed him to mess with me when I was younger. I allowed him to dictate my life choices. I allowed him to manipulate my thoughts about God, my family, people around me. I allowed him to manipulate my thoughts about me. And all the while that I was doing that, I had no clue it was him. I knew he was real because I was raised in the church. I knew that he was a liar because I heard the verses. But what I didn't know was the truth. And because I didn't know the truth, I didn't see the lie. And so church today, what God wants to speak to us is the truth so that the, the lie can be revealed and so that you and I can step fully into the truth and stop staying in the darkness of the lie. As we look in the word of God, we want to understand that the devil is a master manipulator. When we look at what Jesus did at the beginning of his ministry, when he came to John the Baptist and he said, I need to be baptized, Holy Spirit falls upon him, the declaration from God, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. The Spirit of God falls and then the Holy Spirit leads Jesus in the wilderness and while he's in the wilderness, the devil tempts him. Y'all read that? It's in Matthew 4 if you haven't. You can check it out. So when the devil comes to Jesus, he tempts him by twisting scripture. Remember, he's a manipulator and he's a liar. And he comes to Jesus, but the way that we know that it's not true scripture is that everything he tempted Jesus with was about self or the self of Jesus, right? So real quick, like I'll say this. The first one was Jesus was hungry because he'd been fasting. So the devil says, hey, if you're really him, you can turn those stones into bread and eat it. Satisfy your need, right? So Okay, so what is the temptation? Serve self, not God. Okay, second temptation. Hey, if you're really the son of God, go down there to Jerusalem, jump off the temple because the word of God says not a bone of your body will be broken. That's quoting Psalms. And then everybody's going to know you are who you are and they'll worship you. So Jesus came to be worshiped and to be recognized as the savior of the world, right? So you see how he's twisting the scripture and he's saying like, just take your journey and do it your way. Again, we look and the temptation is about self. The last temptation that he gives to him is he's like, look around, look at the world, the glory of the world. And he tells Jesus, if you'll bow down and worship me, I'll give you all of this. It's the devil talking, right? So he's like, you can have all this. I'll I'll gladly give it to you if you worship me. What was that all about? Self-gratification, self's needs met, everything that I came for, because Jesus did come for the world, right? He's like trying to twist things and have Jesus do it his way and do what he wanted and receive all the things that he really was coming for, but it wasn't happening. All right. I think that's our alarm that we need to shut off out there. Thank you. Unless we need to exit the building. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Doesn't sound like we do. It went off. So I don't know. Maybe it was somebody's phone. Shut it off, please. All right. So anyway, as we look at this, I want us to see this, that 
The devil masquerades as truth. He tries to deceive. And Jesus said that, that the devil is the father of lies. So Jesus gave him that title and he tells them. Now, Jesus is in a dialogue here in John chapter 8 with the people that called themselves God's people. They made a declaration there to Jesus, if you're reading in John 8, and they said, God is our father, we are his children. All right? They thought they were, but listen to the conversation and listen to what Jesus says here, and we're reading in John 8, 42. Jesus told them, if God were your father, you would love me because I have come to you from God. I am not here on my own, but he sent me. Why can't you understand what I'm saying? It's because you can't even hear me. For you are the children of your father, the devil, and you love to do the evil things he does. He was a murderer from the beginning. He has always hated the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, it is consistent with his character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So when I tell you the truth, you just naturally don't believe me. Which of you can truthfully accuse me of sin? And since I am telling you the truth, why don't you believe me? Anyone who belongs to God listens gladly to the words of God, but you don't listen because you don't belong to God. Okay. So here, as we look in the scriptures, we hear what Jesus is saying. He's telling people that think they're children of God, that they're not children of God. They're actually the children of the devil. And he's like, if you don't acknowledge who I am, then you do not know God. And if you say that you belong to God and you can do all these things and say all these things about Scripture and the Bible, but you still deny who I am, you're actually serving Satan. That's pretty powerful stuff, church. Therefore, if someone declares to be Christian or a God follower and denies Christ, they are actually following Satan. Right? It's God's word. Jesus just said so. If you do not acknowledge who he is, he says, you would believe in me. And if you don't believe in me, you don't know the Father. So any faith in any person, no matter what their title may be, no matter what position they may hold, no matter what kind of influence in a spiritual realm they may have, if they do not acknowledge that Jesus Christ is the one and only Savior of the world, that he is God, come to us, born of a virgin, lived in the flesh, died on the cross, arose on the third day, ascended the Father, sent the Holy Spirit. If they don't declare that truth, then they're of the devil. Stop listening to them. Stop engaging them. Don't follow their teachings. Don't go there. Jesus is warning us in the word of God that he is truth and do not listen to the liar. Now, man, when we hear this stuff, we might get a little freaked out by it and say like, well, who can I listen to? We got to know truth. Church, we have to know truth. The word of God warns us again that Satan himself masquerades like Christ, right? I mean, God's word says this. And he tells us in the word of God, God does, he warns us that there will be false apostles. That means false leaders in Christendom. We're not talking about satanic church here. We're talking about churches that say they are Christian. And he said there's going to be false apostles that come masquerading as followers, deceiving people. It says this in 2 Corinthians. So listen to the word of God. 
These people are false apostles. They are deceitful workers who disguise themselves as apostles of Christ. But I'm not surprised. Even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So it is no wonder that his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. In the end, they will get the punishment their wicked deeds deserve. Okay. So now you're listening to me and you're like... Who is he and what is he saying? Look, it doesn't matter what I say. We need to know what the truth of God is and that what I say is in alignment with the word of God. Church, God's word is the authority. It gives us this truth. It speaks truth to us and it affirms his truth when we hear it. Therefore, the problem with our society, what has undermined everything that we are about is even people that were not Christian in our nation and in our history established the fact that everything was done on God's principles and God's truth. Once we told God to leave, we had no truth. Therefore, everyone thinks their truth is truth. And that's not true. (laughs) You have to have a truth that is the ruling authority, and when everybody thinks their truth is right, then there is no ruling authority, and there is chaos. God is not a God of chaos. God is a God of order, and God is truth, and he's established this for our well-being. The enemy wants to undermine truth because he's all about destruction, deception, and death. So as we look and we see around us what has happened to our nation as we are crumbling before our very eyes, it is happening because we've removed God from every institution of who we are. That's what's happened, right? It started in the 60s. This isn't new. It was before then, but it literally began public in the 60s. Take God out of schools. No more praying. No more Bibles. Take him out of the courts. Take him out of the government. Take him out of all the institutions that we have. Remove God. We don't need him. So then God is a God that is a gentleman and a loving God, and he is not forcing himself on anyone. Say, leave. There he goes. Fine. Have your way. So we've believed a lie. And now as I speak to you on a national level about how the lies have deceived us, let's make it personal for a moment and understand that many of us have been deceived by the enemy and we're living in a lie when the spirit of truth himself is trying to bring us into this new living relationship with God that is so freeing and liberating that none of that other stuff matters. I know the truth and that truth is phenomenal. To live in the truth of who God is, is amazing. Church, because someone uses the name Jesus doesn't mean they are saying, teaching, writing truth. It's one of the reasons I tell people, man, just don't turn on your Christian radio and leave it all day and listen to teachers. You can't do that. If you do, you're going to be so confused about what you believe because there's this guy teaching this thing, this woman teaching that, this guy teaching this. And it's like, man, you know what? Do you know what God's saying to you? The Word of God tells you to test the spirits that you know they're of God. He tells us that. Because why? Right there in the Word of God, it says that the devil comes masquerading as Jesus himself. Don't you think there's a false Holy Spirit out there? Do you think? He's the false, he's an image. 
a mirage trying to lead people astray. See, I'm one of the people that believe that Joseph Smith really had a vision. I do. I believe he saw something. I believe he was deceived by something. You know why? Because what he saw and what he was told does not align with Scripture. See, there's the problem. We can be deceived and believe something and slide right into something that sounds so right, uses certain scriptures and teaches us certain things so that we think we're following truth and all we're following is a mirage of the truth and we're being deceived by lies. And if we would listen to the Holy Spirit, he would convict us and call us out of that. All right. So again, I'm not trying to scare you and say, I can't listen to anybody, I don't believe anybody, what's truth and all that kind of stuff, because we're going to look at what God says to us and how he is teaching us to know what truth is. Okay, I'm not trying to get people to follow me. I tell you, don't follow me. Follow Jesus. And if the words that I say don't align with God's word, then get me out of the pulpit. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's about him and us following what he says, does, and leads us into for real, church, it's right there in the Word. So it's like, what's truth? Well, God's Word teaches us how to identify truth, and we have to embrace that truth when He identifies it to us. In 2 Timothy, it says this, all Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and, what to, and, to, and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. Okay, so the revelation of God's Word is speaking truth, and in that truth, he tells us that our lives will see that we don't align with that truth. When we hear that, what is happening is, here's what God says to us. Oh, my life doesn't agree with that. Who's at fault here? I better change. That's the whole purpose, right? So it's right there in the Word of God. We're not going to stop reading there. Let's keep going. All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true, and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. Okay, so what is being said to us in the word of God right now is, it's like, oh, wait a minute. So the true word of God, truth, when it comes to us, gets our life in line with who God is. And in turn, when we get our life in line with who God is and we're obedient to that truth, we're now going to start living and acting like that truth. Right? That's what we just read. He's saying there is an absolute surrender to the truth of who God is, and when we begin to engage that truth, that truth is transformational because it's changing who I was to who he wants me to be so that I can do what he wants me to do. All right, so the truth is that I become more like Christ when I am obedient to the truth of God. So the conviction that God brings upon us is transformational, leading us towards Christ-likeness. Truth will always make us more like Jesus. Lies will always lead us to more towards self. Let that sink in, man. If you don't get anything else from this service, get that. Truth will always make us more like Jesus. Lies will always lead us more towards self. So if someone's trying to speak a truth to you using scripture, but it's about you and your flesh, you better run. It's not about you. It's about him. And so when the scripture is spoken, it should reveal that who we are 
and where we are, understanding that I want Him and I need to be more like Him. That's how we know what conviction is. That's what we know what truth is. And so conviction or truth will be affirmed within the Scriptures themselves. God established in the Word, in the law, by the mouth of two or three witnesses, the truth is known. So because you hear something that sounds good and you are excited to do it, don't. Just wait and let God affirm something. So it may have already happened in the service, and this is the way it happens. We were singing worship songs a little while ago. And as we're celebrating in that worship and something in the song, something in the word, maybe something someone on the praise team says, speak something in your heart that God's already been dealing with you about in a good or a bad way. Either way, what I'm saying is somehow there's something that like all of a sudden it's like, boom, undeniable. Ooh, that one hit me. And then I'm reading God's word and preaching the message and all of a sudden it's like, bam, gotcha again. Well, you should probably pay attention because that's probably God and he's probably trying to do something to us, for us, and transformational process of his godness. And that's what conviction does. It leads me to God away from me. So as we look at the word of God, it's like, man, we need to know the truth. And so when we do, conviction of truth will be affirmed with scripture. The result of our obedience to conviction will also make us more like Jesus and it will always glorify the father. If it glorifies you, you got a problem. The enemy uses guilt, shame, and condemnation to confuse us and keep us questioning what to do and what I know. It's crazy to me how many Christian people are confused. Now, I'm not being disrespectful. I'm seeing seriously. I'm like, I am baffled by the amount of Christians that are confused. Like, I'm not sure what God wants me to do. I don't know what he's saying to me. I don't know what to do next. I don't know where to go. It's like, slow down, man. God's not like putting you on a little merry-go-round and wait until you get dizzy and send you off and say, watch what happens. You know, he's not doing that. God wants to lead us. He's trying to affirm truth in us and he's trying to give us guidance in our life. God wants to do that. All right, so if there's a problem, it's not God. Okay, so conviction, when it's of God, conviction, that word, the truth of conviction, draws us to God in order to have my life changed through repentance, surrender, so that I can become more of what he wants. Therefore, I can change. Okay, that's the purpose of conviction. Guilt, shame, and condemnation lead us to be stuck in self. If you're living in guilt, you're like over here in me, and I'm like, I can't see anything else than I screwed up this, I messed up that, I broke this, I'm like, I'm worthless, I'm, I'm oh, I'm such a terrible person. I'm, it's, see how it's all about me? It's like that's what condemnation, guilt, and shame do to us. It gets us living in the lie and the darkness. That's what the devil's all about. So he wants us stuck in self. And he wants us to stay in the darkness and he wants us to live in our failures and he wants us to believe the lies because he knows that God is a transforming God. And he doesn't want us transformed because he hates God and he hates anything that brings glory to God and he hates me and you. So he wants us to stay in this confusion. So conviction brings with it light. Conviction reveals truth that is available in spite of 
our failures, the lies we used to believe, the actions we used to do, everything that we were, then we were following Satan and he was our God and we were doing his bidding and living in that form, even if we didn't realize it. See, conviction brings me out of that and says God loves me, not because of what I've done, but because of who he is. And he wants to take me to a new place in my life. And if I would listen to his conviction and follow the Holy Spirit's leading, I will be transformed. I will not be that old person. God is amazing. Okay, so as we look in John 3, 17, you know, we read John 3, 16, 17, 18, I think, uh, maybe even through 20 on Christmas a couple weeks ago. Um, but what we have right here in John three seventeen is this. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. So church, like, see, nobody had to tell you you were condemned. You already felt condemned. We were born in sin. And so we already felt broken. We felt lost. We lived lost and we lived broken. And so Jesus came saying, you don't have to live that way anymore. You already know where you are. I know where you are. I'm calling you out of that. So Jesus came to save us from that condemnation that we live in and we're born in. All right, that's why he came. Church, stop living in that condemnation the enemy wants you to live in. We don't have to. It's all those voices that say, I can't change. Nothing's going to change. I'm not good enough. I've sinned too much. I'm too far gone. I've crossed the line. All them lies the enemy wants you to believe, that is all condemnation, guilt, and shame that the enemy wants you to believe because he's a liar. And he wants you to believe the deception that he spins around our lives so that you won't believe the truth. That God says, you're not far, too far from me. You're not far away from my grace. I can save anyone. My blood will wash away all of your sins. Not some of your sins. Not some of your transgressions. Uh, everybody but you. No. He said, for God so loved the world Amen. that anyone, his amazing grace reaches everyone. And he loves us. And he's saying, don't live there. Don't believe that. Stop condemning yourself. Stop believing the lies. Come to the truth. And that truth is in who he is. Man, God's good, isn't he? So God is calling with conviction. And when the, when the conviction of God comes, it comes for reformation and restoration. Again, see, when conviction comes, it's for wholeness. When guilt, condemnation, and shame come, it's for brokenness. Please always remember that. Because the enemy's trying to get you to believe this, live there. And God is calling us to live right here in this reformation, restoration work of God. So let's return to some familiar scriptures that I use over and over again, but we need to as we look in John chapter uh, 16 and when Jesus is talking about the Holy Spirit. He says when he comes, which is, uh, in, if you're reading the whole context there, he says the, the advocate, the paraclete, the counselor. It's, it's the Holy Spirit, right? He's talking about when he comes. So he's talking to the disciples because Pentecost hadn't happened yet. He's letting them know that the Holy Spirit's going to come. And when he comes, this is what he's going to do. He will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. 
So we've mentioned this many times, but I've got to pause here to say it again. Uh, we see the threefold convicting work of the Holy Spirit when we see what the Scripture says to us. Jesus says that he's convict the world of sin. There's a need of repentance to understand that I was born in sin. I am living in sin and I need a savior. I need to repent and come to Jesus. That's the first work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, anybody's life, convicting us and bringing us to repentance of our sin. The second work of the Holy Spirit is a conviction of righteousness, the fact that Jesus came and provided for us the ability to live a righteous life. And so he's like, that second aspect of that conviction is that the conviction of the Holy Spirit is going to lead you from that life of sin into a life of godliness. That's the second act of the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And the last one, he says that conviction of the coming judgment, everyone's going to give account to God. So like the Holy Spirit's already revealed future events to you and I, we want all the future events, and he's like, I'm revealing something to you. You're going to stand before me and give account. That's really the only future event you need to be aware of by the Holy Spirit. <laughs> All right, no, for real. I mean, it's like none of the other stuff matters. That matters. Okay, so we won't go there. Let's keep going. John 16, we're going to keep reading. The world's sin is that it refuses to believe in me. Okay, so you get that? Like, remember when we were talking about those that said they were God's children, and he's like, no, you're not. If you were God's children, you believe in me because it's Jesus. And he says, since you don't, you're of the devil. So now, again, we see in the word of God that the Holy Spirit, when he comes and Jesus is teaching this, that the world sin is when it refuses to believe in me. Okay, so if they don't believe in Jesus, it's all a lie. It's all deception. And they're going to hell. God made the rules, not me. Righteousness is available because I go to the Father and you will see me no more. Righteousness is available, church. So remember, the Holy Spirit's convicting us because Jesus has made righteousness available to us who were once bound in sin. Now we are called by God and we have been given the ability to live a righteous life only through the power of God and the Holy Spirit. Let's keep reading. And you will see me no more. Judgment will come because the ruler of this world has already been judged. There is much more I want to tell you, but you can't bear it now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. He will bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. All that belongs to the Father is mine. This is why I said the Spirit will tell you whatever he receives from me. So listen, as we read that scripture, I don't mean to just blow that off. I want you to hear it. It's like I want to get to the point. It's so amazing. We see Jesus telling us that the Spirit of truth is the Holy Spirit. And he says, you're going to receive the Holy Spirit, so you're going to have truth living inside of you, and that truth will reveal truth to you. Right? So he's like, you're not going to have to believe those lies you once believed. You don't have to live in that darkness anymore because now truth lives in you. We're talking about real truth. And that real truth that lives inside of you is God himself. And because it's God, he's not a liar. He's going to lead you to more truth. And so truth results in truth results in living truth. Man, God's awesome. So see, the revelation of truth is what allows us to experience the transformational power of God that absolutely changes our lives. None of us can live a righteous life on our own. None of us. On our own power? You're a failure. I'm a failure. That's why when we try and do stuff, we just fail over and over again. When we're doing it in our flesh. 
when the Holy Spirit calls us and embraces us and we embrace him and surrender, trust and obey, and we step over there. Had to get that one on, in today. So uh, as we step into that, then we have the power to actually do, be, and be changed. But it's only because of God, and that's the only way it will happen, right? So the transformational power of the living God that is within us is the person, God, the Holy Spirit. When truth resides in us, we can no longer live the lies that used to dictate our life before we knew Jesus, right? So the enemy's trying to get us to believe those lies again. That's called temptation. That's condemnation. That's guilt. That's shame. He's trying to call you back and own that. And God's like, that's not who you are. I have made you new. Amen. And so we're not that anymore. So stop calling yourself by those names, yeah. those actions, and those things that used to bind you. Step into the truth of who God is in your life and the new you. Reintroduce yourself to people. Some of them need to know you changed, okay? <laughs> All right, so uh, we're going to look in Romans for a minute. And as I get ready to read the scripture again, I want to make a point here and say, you know, God's word was written, given to us, and it was God's word written through human beings. No human being could put together the book and make it work, and we'll explain that a little bit more as we read the scripture. However, uh, what happened a few hundred years ago is um, the church leaders got together and, and they put chapters and verse numbers in there so that you and I could find our way through the Bible, which I'm very grateful for, because, you know, otherwise we'd be lost a lot of times trying to find stuff. So there it is. However, when they did that, the, sometimes a chapter goes right in the middle of a thought. And if we're just reading chapters, we can miss the point. And we may misunderstand the point because we're only hearing this side of it. We're going to read in Romans 5, but I want to challenge you that sometime this week you would read together at one time Romans chapter 5, 6, 7, and 8 because they're one thought. And if you would read through chapters 5, 6, 7, and 8 and not get stuck on certain things you've heard certain people preach, like I'm about to do right now, you would hear the full context of what that is, and it's amazing. It's the transformational work of Jesus Christ in our life. It's awesome. We're going to select something out of it, and I know that you can do this. Jesus did it himself, where he just pulled specific statements out of verses to bring to us to reveal the truth of who he is. I am not asking you to just buy into what Dave says. Never. I want you to hear what God says and affirm that truth by other scripture and in your life because the Holy Spirit will always reveal this to us. But this is what God's word says in Romans 5 verse 20. God's law was given so that all people could see how sinful they were. <laughs> like, oh, so God's word saying like you are jacked up and you are really jacked up, right? Okay, so if you look in the Old Testament law, that's what is being written about. So the reason God gave his law was so that human beings could see how holy he is and how unholy we are. So when God established organized religion, God did that. So don't ever say, I don't like organized religion because God created it. Man screws it up, but God created it. Okay, so here you go. When God made this, and he gave it to Moses, and he said, now I want you to teach my people this. Remember how the church was established in the beginning? We have our churches designed like the Old Testament tabernacle and temple and all that kind of stuff, right? Because there's a platform raised up in the front, and this is like the most holy place. Now, I'm 
Just stay with me. I'm talking about the design. So this is supposed to be the place God dwells. And then there's the holy place. And that's the inner sanctuary. But see, when God designed that, he put a big curtain between this place and that place. And then there were doors in the back. And God said, none of you can come through those doors. So actually, why don't you go out in the courtyard and know that I'm here, but you can't come. That's what he taught us in the law. And he said, you need to understand how wretched you are. So when you come to the courtyard, before you even enter the courtyard, you bring a living animal that I'm going to tell you what it is. You bring it to that doorway, and it's going to be killed right in front of you. And the blood of that animal is going to be brought before me because I want you to understand that sin, sin brings death. And that is required to come into my presence is the blood of a living sacrifice. So now you can come over there and bring your sacrifice, but don't you go through those doors. Only the priest who is now bringing that sacrifice and placing it on the altar to burn before me. One time per year can bring the sacrificial lamb of atonement and actually come not only into the holy place, but he can come around into the most holy place one time per year after he did his own sacrifice for himself and his family. And he did one for the whole people. Then he can come one time and come before my presence, which is right here in the Ark of the Covenant. And inside of that is the Ten Commandments. And he can bring that blood and he can sprinkle it on that place right there, which is called the mercy seat, so that when my presence is right here and I look down at the commandments that you have broken, the blood covers those. God says, the only way that I can't see that you have broken my law is through that blood. And God said, I gave you that law so that you can see there's no hope for you. And so when we read in Romans, it's like, you see that how that light bulb just goes like, woo, God's law was given so that all people could see how sinful they were. God's like, I'm a holy God and you will not come into my presence. And if that priest comes into my presence and he hasn't done the sacrificial things that I told him to do, he hasn't washed himself, presented himself right before me, I will strike him dead. God said that. And they wear a rope on themselves and bells around the bottom of their robes so that if they hear like, I don't hear any bells, drag them out. Nobody better go get them because they're dead too. I mean, this is how serious God is. And so when we're reading this in the scripture, he's like, here's why I gave the law. So the people could see how sinful they are. Okay, we keep reading. I'm glad it doesn't end there. (laughs) Okay, so God's law reveals our sinfulness and his holiness. So his word reveals that to us. So now... Here's what we see in Romans as we continue to read now. But as people sinned more and more, God's wonderful grace became more abundant. So just as sin ruled over all people and brought them to death, now God's wonderful grace rules instead, giving us right standing with God and resulting in eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Well then, should we just keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? 
Or have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we were joined him in his death? For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. Okay, you hear what just, God just like, just blows everything up for us. And he's like, look, I gave you that law so you could see how screwed up you are, how holy I am, how you can't come into my presence because of who I am. However, I love you and because I love you, I came to be among you and live a life there and died so that the sacrifice required, sacrifice required by me, the shedding of blood, I would do myself. And when you come to me and allow my blood to be applied in your life, that's called grace. He says, now that old life dies. We have to die in that old life. No longer are we there. And he says, now you come out of that relationship with me that I have purchased for you, and you live in that amazing grace, and now you have power in you to live a new life. That life over there had power over you. Now he says, I have the power in you. So the Holy Spirit lives in here and now there's new power inside of me. I no longer am a slave to that old life. I'm a slave to God. I'm living in freedom and righteousness and the holiness of God now lives within me. There is no lies in God, therefore there is no lies in me. Only truth resides in here because he is truth, church. We've got to embrace him and stop listening to the liar. Let's step into that truth, man. Truth affirms truth. So the truth of God, when he convicts us, is a revelation of what is truth and what is error. So y'all use your electronic devices, and when you use them and you misspell a word, it tells you. You should turn that on if you're not using it. This little red line appears under a word, right? And it says, wrong. And you can look at it and say, I don't think that's, you're wrong. Right? I mean, you're wrong. It's spelled wrong. And it's there for a reason. It's saying, if you're trying to say this, you're not. So you probably should relook at what you just tried to say and do it the right way. That's what the Holy Spirit does to us. He does that in our life. He just like puts a little red line under there and says, mm, no, <laughs> that's not right. And we're like, no, but I, that's the way I see it. It's wrong. But that's the way I was taught. It's wrong. I think it's right. It's wrong. Okay. And it's not going to change until you correct it or you just push send anyway. That's on you. See, the Holy Spirit is trying to reveal truth to us. And he's trying to lead us into this where we live right, do right, and act right. Because that's who he is. He's truth. So I own a little American Brittany. And you're like, where are we going there? Well, I'll tell you where we're going there. An American Brittany's a little dog. He's a hunting dog. He's a pointer. They're amazing. Love him. His name is Cinch. Got him as a puppy. Trained him myself. I take him into the field. He's a pointer. So he finds the birds and... You know, gets, when there's a bird there, he just freezes. It's like, okay, he's on point. So technology has invaded the hunting industry and the bird dog thing, and so I have a GPS collar on him, and it has a, I clip it right here on my vest, so I know where he is all the time, wherever he goes. I'm connected to him by satellite. 
So in the process of training him, uh, I purchased a shot collar. Now, you may think I'm cruel. I'm not. It's, it's a really healthy thing to do. I put the thing on myself and tested every level of it before I ever put it on him. All the way to 18, I took it all, okay? So I, like, I want to know what I'm doing to him, and I'm not here to hurt him. I'm here to guide him. Please remember that, because that's what the Holy Spirit does to us. And that's the point of this as we move along. So to make this collar work, see, it's another controller, and it has like little metal prongs that go, you have to make sure it goes through the hair and it's actually touching the skin. So I'm adjusting the collar, make sure it's there. It's not too tight. Got it on him. So here's how I want to teach him. Because we're going to be out there in the mountains and I can't see him all the time, I want him to understand when I want him to come, he needs to come. So he'll run off because he's hunting. He wants to hunt for me, but he wants to hunt because that's what he's all about. And so he's running, running, running. Well, pretty soon he's running and he's running and he's running. I'm like, mm, I don't want you out there. So what am I going to do? I'm like, here. And of course, he's like, I heard that before, but I'm doing this. <laughs> so I'm like, here. The next time I have a whistle with me. And when I blow that whistle, I hit this button. Weep. Whack. Oh, what does that mean? Here. That's what that means. So he hears the word here now because before he was so riveted on what he was doing, he didn't even hear here. Get that one? All right. H-E-A-R-H-E-R-E. All right. So anyway, so, you know, I'm calling him. And so pretty soon as we're doing these things and after a while, I don't need to push a button or anything. I yell here, and he turns. And if he doesn't, I blow the whistle, and he comes back. So he's doing really well, and he's like, he's amazing. I love him. He's doing all kinds of great stuff. And so this season, he's four years old in October, and so I'm taking him out. I'm like, I don't need that training collar. He's, he's the man. You know, he's got this down pat. All right? So he's doing everything I ask, and pretty soon, the last couple of times I took him out, it's like, he's running, and I'm like, here. And he's running. Here, blow the whistle. And he keeps running. And I'm like, you little sucker. <laughs> I've got a GPS collar on him, remember? So I know where he is. He don't know where I am. And he doesn't care. You know why? Because all of a sudden, he had this idea in his head like, oh, I can just keep going now. Nobody's telling me to come back. I mean, I hear that maybe, but I don't care. So I'm watching him go and go and go. I'm watching on my GPS because it's tracking him. He's at 200, 225, 250 yards, 300, 320. I'm like, mm, I love that boy, but <laughs> we got a problem. So then I got to go chase him. And I'm like, this is not the way this is supposed to work. The way this is supposed to work is I'm right here and you serve me right there. And you don't go out of my boundaries. And if you start to go out of my boundaries, I say, get back in my boundaries, and you get back in my boundaries. And I'm not saying that in a bad way, because that's what he lives for. He loves it, and he loves me. Okay, so, and I mean that in a good way. So here I go. He's running off. I'm like, <sighs> so I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. We're in the mountains. Maybe he didn't hear that. So the next time I took him out, same thing happens. I'm like, you're done, buddy. Let's get that little training collar charged because we got some work to do. Put that thing on him again. He doesn't even have a clue, right? All he's thinking about is, woo, we're doing this. Drop him down and there he goes. And he's doing pretty well, but pretty soon things start to get stretched a little bit. And I'm like, here, <laughs> here. Like, 
blow the whistle and hit him. Like, whoa. He kept going. So I turn it up a little bit, you know. Blow the whistle. Hit him again. Just keeps going. I'm like, dude, what is wrong with you, man? I mean, I felt this thing. I know what's going on now. So I'm cranking it up. I'm on 12. It goes to 18, so I'm not abusive, right? 18's not abusive. I did it to myself. It gets their attention. Okay, so I crank it up a little bit more, and I hit him again, and nothing stops him. I'm like, there is something wrong. I am going to get him, and I'm checking that thing, right? So I pull him over to me, and I'm like checking the tightness of the collar. Yeah, probably need to tighten a little bit. So I put my fingers on the prongs and hit it. I'm like, it's working. <laughs> Why don't you go do that again? Get out of here. So send him out. There he goes. This time it's like, blow the whistle, whack. Immediate about face. Like, there we go. That's what we're looking for. Go on back over there here. Uh, bam. Oh, yes, I know what about face means, and we're coming back. See, this is the thing. I want you guys to get this because, see, he loves me. We have relationship. He wants to serve me, but he can be easily distracted and start serving himself. And so when he goes off like that, he has lost connection with me, and he's now serving himself, and I don't even know what's going on because he's outside of my boundaries. So the reason that I whack him is to say, dude, wake up. Get over here. I'm telling you right now, I'm not going to need that collar again for very long. But he's going to wear it. Now, I want you to hear this, church, because what God has done for us is put the Holy Spirit inside of us, and conviction is an awakening that I'm not in control. And the Holy Spirit is like zapping us. And sometimes it's just a little tiny prod. And trust me, you should listen then. Because if you don't and you continue on, the Holy Spirit's going to turn it up and then he's going to whack you again. And then pretty soon, he's going to flatten you because you need to wake up. That doesn't mean you're going to listen. You can callous yourself to it and just grit your teeth and push on through if you want to. But the important thing is that we understand is that God is trying to lead us into truth and experience the life he has planned for us. And in those boundaries is the fullness of life. And so the Holy Spirit is convicting you right now about something because God is saying, let's get back in the boundaries of my righteousness of what I'm calling you to. And some of us that are listening right now have already passed that barrier. We've gone through one, maybe two, maybe three, and God's trying to crank it up. To I want you to know right now that right now God's got the power all the way up. And what you're feeling today is an awakening moment that he's saying, today's your day and you better listen. Amen. We need to hear the voice of God. And if you have turned your back on him and you're running away, you need to wake up. You need him. You can't do it your own way. It'll never work. You can't subvert him. You can't tell him what he's supposed to do the way you want it done. He says, nope, it's my way or no way because he's a holy God and we are an unholy people. And the only way that we can be holy is when we live in the righteousness of God, obeying the truth of God and allowing the Holy Spirit to be in charge of our life. So wherever you are, whatever God's saying, jump at it. Don't wait. There's a little tiny tone mode and a little tiny little vibration mode. I'll take that any day over the shock. So if you're just hearing a little beep, 
Be grateful and listen. That's not like for your neighbor. That's you. Okay? Don't prod them. You need to come. Would you stand with me and obey the Holy Spirit's call right now? When we call people to the altar, it's so that we understand that we need to step out of our area into God's. So when I say come to the altar, it's not like, hey, Dave's got like 25 people at the altar. He should get a bonus. That doesn't happen. Okay? I don't care. I care desperately. But I mean, it's not about that. You understand? Like God, the Holy Spirit is calling us and he's like, this is truth. You need to hear it. If you don't know Jesus, he's trying to get you to see you need him. If you know him, he's saying you need to live this truth. And he's trying to align your life with things that are true. And so if you feel the Holy Spirit convicting you in an area, get your life in line with Scripture, not yourself. That's what the Holy Spirit wants to do for you. Father, we love you. We're so grateful for you, God. Thank you. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you for the conviction of sin that brings us to repentance to know that we need a Savior. Thank you that on the day that Jesus gave his life for us, that the veil in that temple that kept you from us was ripped apart. (laughs) That you made a way for us to come to you. Every single one of us can come into the presence of the holy living God because of Jesus. (laughs) Wow, God. We are so blessed to live in this time, in this place, and where we are. Keep leading, guiding, and directing your people. Bring conviction, God, upon this nation. We need a revival, an awakening, a stirring. God, thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for the prayers that were offered on national television. I pray for people to be awakened to their need of you. I pray that I would be awakened to more of a need of you, that our church, this church, your church, would be stirred by conviction and stepping into the truth of who you are in every area of our life. God, we love you today. We're so grateful for you. Thank you for the word of God. Thank you for the Holy Spirit. Thank you for conviction. Thank you for truth. We love you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Yeah. God bless you, church. So grateful to be here with you. He loves you. Have an amazing day with him. Go live it.